0: Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Man, I'm so grateful. Why don't you turn a few people around you, tell them what you're grateful for. See, it's one thing to say I'm grateful, but do you you have a perspective of what you're giving thanks for? Some of you are thankful that you're here today. Some of you are thankful that, that you are alive, that you've paid your bills, that this week has been pretty good when it comes to weather. I'll tell you one of the things that I'm grateful for I'm grateful for what God is doing here in this place, what He has begun in this church over the past several weeks as we've been in this teaching series called Ghost Stories That Aren't Scary, because I sense something different in this place. I sense a sense of excitement, I sense gratitude, I sense freedom. Because because for a lot of people here in this church, because of the community that we live in, it's it's very spiritual, but it's not very Christian. A lot of us, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to being a spirit-led person, we're a little bit afraid. We're a little bit of we're a little bit scared of what that means because. For the most part, we are uninformed, but as we've been learning about the Spirit of God and learning what it means to surrender to him, I I sense a a feeling of freedom here that that maybe it's just me, maybe it's just our leadership team, but this idea of surrendering to the Spirit of God is now something to look forward to. Holy Spirit, lead me, because when we ask him to lead us, when we ask him to guide us, he does. He gives us opportunities. He opens up doors. So I've been doing that every morning. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Send me where you want me to go. Lead us where you want us to be. It's these ghost stories that aren't scary. And so today, as we conclude this teaching series, last week, we talked about spiritual gifts, how they are supernatural, but We don't have to be scared of them. Today, I wanna talk about those two spiritual gifts that we didn't talk about last week. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. You can follow along on the screens. You can open up your apps at home or or wherever you are. ECC. We're excited that you guys are with us today. All of our church familia who maybe you might be across the country getting ready for Thanksgiving. We're excited to open up God's Word today. Acts chapter 2. Let me give you the context as you're flipping there, as you're opening up your notes. Jesus has come. Jesus has lived the perfect life, the one sent by God to be the Savior of mankind. He died with all of our sin upon him. Being the perfect Son of God, death not hold him down. He resurrected, exchanging his holiness for our whole entire lives. He set us free. And now he's he's shown himself to hundreds of people. The Bible says over 40 days he revealed himself to his disciples and he said, listen Before you go out, before you you tell the world of of what you've seen in me and and who I am, I need you to wait. Before you go out, the Holy Spirit needs to come in. So in Acts chapter 1, he says the Holy Spirit's going to fill you with power so you can be my witnesses, but you need to wait. And in Acts chapter 2, we see them praying in this upper room and we see what happens when the Spirit of God comes. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, this was a a feast much like what's happening this Thursday this was a feast of thanksgiving to God and so people had come from all around the known world all these these Jewish worshipers to worship uh, over this feast to give God thanks and when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place all the disciples and suddenly there came from heaven a sound what? You guys did super super good. Remember last week anything that is bolded we're going to say that out loud together. So, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire. Did you guys say that or All right, let's say it one more time. I'm not going to say anything. And divided tongues Good job, I heard you guys at home too. Appeared to them and rested on each one of them. We have this, this sound like a mighty rushing wind. These sounds as of fire. The Holy Spirit, he, he, he is not a mighty rushing wind. He is not a fire. But the Bible is using this to describe that, that when the Spirit comes, he will come with power. We are familiar with the power that fire brings, how fire can, can, can ignite an engine, how fire can, can burn down a force, how wind can, can take down South Florida in a hurricane. The Bible is alluding to us that when the Spirit of God comes, he comes with power. How we don't have to live life on our own strength, that there is a, a source Of incredible power that's available to all of us. And then, verse four, it says, and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone say, filled. filled, and began to speak in other tongues. As a spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And then they were amazed and astonished, saying, "Are these not all who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us uh, in our own native language?" Saying, "Aren't these Galileans? Galileans, they were country folk." They were farmers, they were fishermen. I want you to picture this, it's, it's like someone who, who, who lived in a rural part of the country, and they don't have an extensive uh, engagement in culture or in education, and all of a sudden they go to a big city like South Florida, and they start speaking the language of the people even though they were never taught the language of the people. And they speak it with fluency and articulation and it's bewildering because it's it's like, it's like your abuela. You know, she, she grew up in Hialeah and all of a sudden she starts speaking Korean. Abuela, how are you doing that? You never learned Korean. How are you speaking this? This is something that was supernatural. It, it's marvelous, it's a miraculous moment. Verse 12. It says, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, but others mocked and said, they are filled with new wine. I've titled today's teaching, Living Under the Influence. What does it mean to live under the influence? Now, were these disciples, were they intoxicated with wine? No, no, they weren't, but they were living under the influence of the Spirit of God. And what happened in this supernatural moment was was they they began to speak in other tongues. That word tongues is translated languages. They were speaking in other languages, and it was confusing and, and, and confounding to those who were looking on. Some were perplexed, some were amazed, and some began to mock And here we are some 2,000 plus years later from when this happens, and just like back then, this gift of tongues, it's it's a sticky touching point for different followers of Jesus. There's still controversy when it comes to this gift of tongues today. Some people are amazed, and yet some people still mock today. Some people, they're saying, well, yeah, that's awesome. We all should speak in tongues. In fact, some denominations would say that if you don't speak in tongues, you are not filled with the Spirit of God, which they would be wrong. And then some other people say, well, that's speaking in tongues things. That sounds like gibberish. That's weird. And those people are weird. And so whatever your growing up, your experience was growing up, here's what I want to do for the next several months. I want to put our experience to the side. See, we can't make our experience normative when it comes to the things of God, especially the Spirit of God. What we need to do is come to the Word of God to see what the Word of God says, the will of God is. And so that's what I wanna do today. Whatever thought you have in your mind of of speaking in tongues and being Spirit-led, I want us to put that to the side and look at God's Word. And here's what I want you to understand today. I believe that this spiritual gift of tongues is displayed in two prominent ways in the passages of God's word. One is private, say private, Private. and one is public, say public. public. We have this public and this private expression of this spiritual gift of tongues and I think the confusion happens. I think the problems arise when the private goes public. So first big idea when it comes to this spiritual gift of tongues. And why are we talking about this? Because all of us are gifted. The Spirit of God gifts us with power to be witnesses. Some of you, you have this gift. Some of you, you're not sure of this gift. This is why we're talking about this. 1 Corinthians 13.1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So the first big idea I want you to write down is this. The spiritual gift of tongues is a private heavenly prayer language. The first expression we see of this gift of tongues is a private, heavenly prayer language. Again, 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, we get to peer into this mystery of the kingdom of God. Apparently, in the kingdom of heaven, which is our home one day, they speak in a different language. The angels, they speak to God in a different language. And you may say, this sounds kind of supernatural. Yes, it is. It is a mystery. And the fact that we get to look into this is pretty amazing. But that's what this is. It is a heavenly language that the angels communicate to God with. And Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 14 too, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. If he were speaking to men, this would be public. But he's not speaking in public. He's speaking to God in prayer, which is something private. The Spirit of God understands what he's speaking. God understands what he's praying. But if someone were to listen in on someone praying in the Spirit, they would not understand what is being said. Why? Because it's not for them. It's a private heavenly prayer language continues on in 1 Corinthians 14:4. 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up but one who prophesies builds up the church. Again, Paul is distinguishing between what is private and what is public. We talked about spiritual gifts last week are we living in our giftings are we allowing the holy spirit to lead us and to grow us in our giftings some of us we have this spiritual gift of tongues this prayer language which purpose is to build yourself up the spirit of god is praying through you to build you up it's extremely encouraging it's extremely empowering but this is a private gift There's some things that are better done in private and the gift of speaking in tongues as a prayer language is private. Do, Do we understand that? Do we need to do a lesson in what's private and what's public? Okay, real quick. Clipping your toenails. Is that something better done in public or private? Private, and maybe you're like me. Maybe you're in in my household. I can't even clip my toenails privately in my own home. My wife thinks it's disgusting. I have to go to a set aside room and clip my. That's how private it is. We don't want toenails flying everywhere, and the kids picking up and think it's like you know coconut shavings or something like that. (laughs) Clipping, exactly, exactly. It is private. What about flossing your teeth? Again, private. The gift of prophecy. We just read it. It Wasn't your question? This builds up the church. Difference between public and private. What about singing? (laughs) Depends on who it is. Amen. Right? Listen. Uh, Just kidding. No, I'm joking. Listen. The Bible says that, that we can make a joyful noise. And even if the joyful noise sounds like a noise and sounds like cats dying, it's okay. We, it, it's, it's public, okay? You, you can sing even if you can't sing here. God wants you to do that in this place. But we understand the difference between what is supposed to be operating publicly and what is supposed to be operating privately. And both are important. You need to understand that. We want you to have a passionate private prayer life with the Holy Spirit. And we also want you to have a public, passionate, corporate, congregational experience in praising God. We want you to worship God together with us. And we wor- we want you to, to worship God by yourself in your own home because he's always with you. And if you are praying in the Spirit, this is a private gift that the Spirit of God prays through you to build you up. It is encouraging, it is strengthening, and it is a good gift. And some of you are saying, well, well I want this gift and I don't have this gift. Again, it's the Spirit of God who gifts everyone. He gives us the gifts that we need for where we're at. And so you may not have this gift, and that's Okay. You're just not gifted in that area right now. In fact, on our leadership team here, that's what we call our staff because we don't just do a job. God's calls to love and lead people. And so we're a leadership team. The minority of people on our leadership team have this private heavenly prayer language this gift of speaking in tongues as a gift. And guess what? That's okay. It doesn't mean that one person is better than the other. And so if you have that gift, we affirm it. We see it in God's word. We affirm it in your life. Continue to use that gift and God will grow you and God will give you more. And if you don't have that gift, that's fine as well. Because guess what? Turn to your neighbor. Tell him you're still gifted. God has still gifted you. Here's a second expression of this gift of tongues. And maybe some of you have this. Number two, the spiritual gift of tongues is also a public earthly language to point people to Jesus. See again, the the confusion happens when the private goes public. This is exactly what we read in Acts chapter 2, but this is a passage, Acts chapter 2, that a lot of people use to to, to say, this is why we should pray in tongues out loud altogether. But listen to what it says. Acts chapter 2 verse 8. How is it that we hear each of us in his own what? native language. Do you see how that's different than a private, heavenly language? See, the second expression of this gift of tongues is God uses people who know him to speak to people who don't know him in their own language, even if the person doesn't know the language. Why? So they can meet Jesus. The Spirit gives this gift to be able to share with others who don't speak your language that language so that they can meet Jesus. And this is a gift that's very prominent with missionaries. This is why my wife, she can go to South America and speak better Spanish than I can because she also has a gift of evangelism. This is why my mom, she can speak Creole when she's in Haiti and she can speak Spanish when she's in El Salvador even though she barely speaks English and doesn't know those languages. The Holy Spirit empowers people with this spiritual gift so they can speak Jesus to those who don't know him. This is the public expression of this gift. Some people have this public spiritual gift. Some people have the private expression of the spiritual gift Are you using them? What are you doing with the way God has gifted you? Now, I want to make this clear, okay? Today we're talking about just two spiritual gifts. Last week, we talked about several. I gave you the four lists. I encourage you to go home and and look at them and pray over them. But but I want to stress this. I said this last week. You need to understand this today as well. That the gift of serving, of leadership, teaching, hospitality, those spiritual gifts are just as important as the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and healing and miracles. They are all gifts that the spirit of God gives to believers to be witnesses. Now, some of you might say, okay, so You say they're just as important. Well, how come we don't see the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues being used in this church like the gift of serving, like the gift of teaching? Why? It's because we want to be biblical. We want to do what the word of God says. I used to hear this often, not so much, but I still hear it every once in a while for people who are visiting here, people who who are trying to figure out if this is gonna be the perfect church for them as an imperfect person. I hear this question, is this a spirit-led church? Maybe you've asked that question. Maybe because of your experience, you wanna know. Is this a spirit-led church? Is this a spirit-filled church? Well, let me just answer that, okay? And this is a general statement, but it is fact, That any church that preaches Jesus being the only way, truth, in life, that is a spirit-filled and a spirit-led church. Because let me tell you something. Satan doesn't care if you use your gifts but don't share Jesus. We can have our little holy huddles, and I'll talk about that in just a few moments. But what Satan doesn't want is people knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. So, every single church that declares Jesus is Lord and Savior over all and He is the only way, that is a spirit filled and that is a spirit led church. But I also understand what they're asking. Because for a lot of people, a spirit filled, a spirit led church means that services are longer. Worship goes on a lot longer. The pastor preaches a lot longer. He has a whole lot to say. In fact, the pastor doesn't just preach really loud and longer. The people preach back to the pastor loudly. I admit, I grew up in churches like that. I, I, I like churches like that. But, but what happens in these spirit-led churches so often is that people will begin to speak in tongues out loud all together. And so a lot of people think that that's what it means to be spirit-led, that everyone's praying in the spirits. How many you grew up in a church like that? A lot of us in here. I'm grateful for my time there. But, but I'll admit, at times it seems strange, and I did not know all of what was going on or why it was going on. And so today I want to bring some clarity to that from God's Word. The Spirit of God never speaks apart from what he's already spoken. First Corinthians 14, 27. Listen to this. This is God's word. This is the English Standard Version. This isn't some paraphrase. This is the most accurate word for word translation. It says If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. This is what the Bible says. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet, cáete su boca en la iglesia, and speak to himself and to God. This is why you don't see this gift happening publicly during our services, because the Bible clearly spells out how this gift should be used. So yes, we are spirit-filled as followers of Jesus. And yes, this is a spirit-led church. But what the spirit leads people to is the good news of Jesus. He points people to Jesus. The Spirit doesn't push them away. See, I I loved my time in some, some really charismatic type churches growing up, but but, but I've grown up in, in some, some churches where. Literally, they'll say, okay, everyone, right now, we need everyone to speak in tongues. Right now, three, two, one, go out. And everyone starts speaking in tongues, and, and, and people start falling down, and people are singing in the aisles. And, 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 and it seems a little bit crazy, Right? You can say yes to this. This isn't grieving the spirit because the Bible actually talks about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. As people are, are speaking all together in this unknown heavenly language, people who are far from God might say, what is going on? Are they intoxicated? Are they drunk? Is it happy hour? 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty three. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or Some unbelievers come in. Will they not say that you are out of your minds? Have you been to out of your mind Bible church before? See, the Spirit of God, he, he leads us to point people to Jesus. And so a lot of us, we want to invite our friends so they can know this hope. And maybe you invite your friends, and they come to church. You're like, Sam, you're really going to like church. And when you walk in, everyone is speaking in tongues. And Sam's like, is it happy hour? What's happening here? Is everyone drunk? Is everyone going crazy? Can we go watch the game instead? Can we get some coffee? Because this is strange. The Bible says, Aren't they going to think you're out of your mind? Here's the point. If you have this spiritual gift, this private spiritual gift, it's going to encourage you. It's going to build you up, but it is private. Because what happens when people who don't know Jesus come into a place where it seems Crazy and everyone seems to be drunk. Will they be able to hear Jesus? Will they be able to hear about the love of Jesus when there's all this noise and distractions that we are creating? What if people can't hear the most important thing, the good news of Jesus, because of all the noise that we are making? Again, I want to make this clear. We want you to use the gifts that God has given you. We affirm these gifts. We want you to be who you who God's called you to be. We we, we want this to be a place where people can worship freely. That means falling to your knees. You can do that. That means stretching your hands and surrender. You can do that. If you just need to sit there and be pensive, I've learned a long time ago that people who don't open their mouth and worship, it doesn't always mean because they're angry or upset. It could mean that the spirit of God is doing something in their heart. We want you to worship freely. But what the most important thing is, is we want people to come to know Jesus here in this place. Free from distractions, free from confusion. And some of you are like, man, but, but I have this gift and this is the one gift that God has given me. And, and oftentimes I feel like speaking in this when we're together, I feel like I have something to say. Well, then go talk to a pastor first. Get permission. See if from a pastor, if there's an interpreter here. Otherwise, the Bible says, "Gaite." <laughs> We don't just believe in spiritual gifts. We believe in spiritual authority. And the Spirit of God, more than anything else, he wants people to know Jesus. He wants people to hear the love and the hope of Jesus. He points people to Jesus. He doesn't push them away. And so get permission from a pastor if you feel like there's something you have to say. Now, I know it sounds like I'm beating up on this gift, and and I'm not. This is a good gift, This is a great gift. This is an encouraging gift. In fact, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I'm encouraged. How did I endure prison? It was by praying in the Spirit and singing praises to God and letting the Holy Spirit remind me of what God has said and comforting me and giving me peace in my time of despair. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Verse 19, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. What would those five words be? I don't know, maybe. Jesus loves you a lot. And those sound so simple, but those five words have much more power to transform someone's life and their destiny rather than praying 10,000 words in a language they don't understand. This is why. But, But I wanna continue to talk about why this is important, and what's most important. See, it's interesting in chapter 12, we read this last week, the Bible lists out these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And chapter 14, like we just read today, it it talks primarily about this gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues for people to understand this gift of tongues so that can encourage everybody. But couch in between chapter 12 and 14 is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And whether you know it or not, you probably heard this chapter more than most chapters in God's word because it is read basically at every single wedding. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. In between spiritual gifts and how to operate in the spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation, right in between that, we have this this chapter on love. But the context of this chapter is not necessarily love first. It is the gifts of the Spirit. Why do we see this love chapter right before the gift of tongues. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13:1. again, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, let's say that again. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Here in this place and at home, I want you to write this big idea down. If you are not loving being gifted doesn't matter. Hear that, don't miss that. If you are not loving, being gifted doesn't matter. You can have all the gifts of the Spirit, but still push people away from Jesus because you are not loving. And unfortunately, too many of us have seen people like that. They're elitists, They feel like their gift makes them more important. I have the gift of teaching. You don't, so I'm in charge here. I have the gift of leadership. You have the gift of serving, so you must serve the leader. And it's this elite mindset, and it pushes people away. That's called being a spiritual nut. And God doesn't want spiritual nuts. He wants spiritual nuts. Fruit. See, these spiritual gifts, they aren't a sign of spiritual maturity. The fruit of the Spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the proof that the Spirit of God is maturing you. If someone can be around you and say, man, they were so loving, they were so kind with me, they they were so patient to walk with me through what I was going through. That that must be what it's like to be around Jesus. If that can happen, that's what it means to be spirit-led. Do you hear that? It's not using all the gifts. It's not having all the gifts. If you don't have love, you're just making a whole lot of noise. You are useless to what God wants to do. We can have all the gifts. We can use all the gifts and still walk in the flesh. Galatians 5:16. Paul says, "But I say, walk by the Spirit." Walk By the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. See, the Holy Spirit, he leads us to do what is right. But but our feelings, but our flesh, they don't want to do what is right all the time. They want to do what is right by us. They want to do what we feel. And so there is a war going on. And whose influence will we be under? Our own influence, our feelings? Or the spirit of God? Which influence will we be under? See, all of us, we have the same spirit. Someone doesn't have more Holy Spirit in their life than you do. He lives inside of you, follower of Jesus. But if you're wondering why someone else's life is marked by more victory, by more peace, by more calm in their life, the difference is not the spirit. The difference is are we surrendered? Are we submitting to the spirit's influence on our life or we continue to submit and surrender to our desires, our feelings? That's the difference between an abundant life and one that is just getting through life. It's not the spirit, it's our Surrender. And this is why Paul he declares, walk by the Spirit. Live under the influence of the Spirit of God. Walk by His Spirit. Ephesians 5:15. Look what else he says. He says, look carefully then how you are you under the influence not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. It is wise to let the Spirit of God lead you. It is unwise to let your feelings lead you. Our feelings always get us into trouble. The Spirit of God always leads us to the will of God, to what God wants to do in our lives. And how many of us know that these days are evil? How many of us know if we say the wrong thing, we're going to be canceled. If we do the wrong thing, that people are gonna come against us. If we do the right thing, we still may be canceled. People may still come against us. We're living in evil days. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord to walk in the spirit? Turn to someone, tell them this. Say, the will of God is whatever. We wanna know the will of God. God, what's, the, what's your will for my life? Who do you want me to marry? What business do you want me to start? God's will for you is whatever. It's whatever the Spirit leads you to do. His will for you is to walk in the Spirit daily. Verse 18, and do not get drunk, say that with me, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. If we go back to Acts chapter 2 when the disciples were, were filled with the Spirit, people said they must be intoxicated with wine. People who are intoxicated with wine, what do we say about them? We say they are under the influence. And when you are under the influence of spirits, you think differently. You talk differently. You act differently. That's what it means to give your life control to something else, to another spirit. Likewise, when we are under the influence of the Spirit, spirit of God we talk differently we act differently we speak we walk we live differently we look more and more like Jesus so I want you to write this final idea down being drunk with spirits is a cheap imitation of being filled with the spirit so some of you are wondering are we one of those weird crazy spirit led churches We've answered that. We are a spear-led church, but it is not scary. Some of you are wondering now. So, are we one of those churches that say alcohol is sin? The Bible doesn't say alcohol is sin. If you're drinking illegally under age, that's against the law, and oftentimes breaking the law is sin. In fact, Jesus he made water into not grape juice; it was wine. Paul says to his protege Timothy, if your stomach isn't feeling well, have yourself a little cup of Chianti. It's good for your stomach. It's not drinking alcohol that's sinful. It's getting drunk. That's debauchery. That's giving your life over to another spirit. Letting something else lead you and influence you. Being drunk with spirits, listen to this, it's a cheap imitation of being filled with the Spirit. Some people here, you get drunk with wine because you think it's going to bring you comfort. I just need to let loose. I just need to feel a little bit comfort. I just need to feel a little bit less. And it's foolish. You're turning to the wrong spirit to give you comfort. Because if you leaned into the presence of the Spirit of God, He would give you peace that surpasses understanding. He would lift that burden like nothing else can, like no other substance can. The Spirit of God will do that in your life. Some people, they get drunk with wine, they get drunk with alcohol, they get high on drugs because they they want to feel more confident. I just crack open a few ones, and and now I have more confidence to, to hang out with my friends, to talk to the people, to be more social. You're not confident, you're foolish. You're allowing something else to lead you. You're giving your life over to something else that will direct you. And I'm telling you, it will not direct you where you want to go anytime, ever. When people are drunk with alcohol, they are deceived in believing that they can do impossible things. And oftentimes it leads to pain, hurt, even death, because it's foolish. But if you are under the influence of the Spirit of God, I want you to hear this, you will have power to do impossible things. And just like the drunk who, who I just need another sip, I'll do whatever I can to feel that way. When, when, when you are under the influence of the Spirit of God, you'll do whatever it takes just to, to feel his filling again. To, to, to be filled with his peace, to be filled with his hope, to be filled with his, his healing, to be filled with his love, to be filled with his confidence, to be filled with his peace, to be filled with his life. He'll do whatever it takes to be filled again. Say filled. See, the Bible talks about being sealed and and being filled. In Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about the the, the filling, uh, the the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon us, he seals us. It is a one-time event where now, because we've surrendered our life to Jesus, now we are sealed by his Spirit. He is with us always wherever we go, but we continue to see through God's Word in in Acts chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 5, this ongoing filling of the Spirit. So, we see this one time baptism of the Holy Spirit sealing, and then all throughout Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit continuing to fill, multiple fillings of His Spirit. His Spirit filling us is an ongoing process where the Spirit of God is pouring upon you more of the presence and the peace and the power and the hope and the love of our Savior so that we can continue to be witnesses. And some of us today, we just need to be filled with his presence again. How do do we do that? How can I continue to be filled? Ask him. Open up his word and and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Fill me so I can understand. Pray. Pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to to pour over your life. Pray together with your family. Open up your mouth and begin to sing praises. There are so many ways that we can continue to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit over our lives, followers of Jesus. Some of you here today, some of you online, you're here because maybe your friend invited you. Maybe someone shared a link, but it's the Spirit of God He wanted you to be here today because He wants you to know that there is a life that you can live that is not spiritless or powerless, but you can be transformed from this day forwards. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and he wants to continue to fill you and continue to fill you. How do we do that? Simplest way is by asking those two questions. God, what are you teaching me? Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me today? What do you want me to do about it? Because I'm going to follow. I'm going to live under your influence. I'm going to live under the influence of love. You're going to lead me to where I need to go. And it's scary sometimes, but it's supernatural. And I get to be a part of what you're doing. The more I obey, the more you direct, and the more I surrender, the more peace and power I have. What do you teach me? What do you want me to do about it, Holy Spirit? I surrender all. Thank you for listening to The Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.